the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello again, and welcome our worldwide Rescuers audience for another episode of Rescuers Radio Show. And I'm very pleased to have a guest. uh, uh, First of all, let me tell you that you can find all of the shows, current and past, uh, at rescuersradioshow.org. And uh, you can find that uh, after it airs every Thursday at 5.30 on uh, Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. And then it becomes a podcast in the stream. We have about 80 shows there now waiting for you to go in and preview them. So uh, rescuersradioshow.org. My my guest in the studio today is uh, Judy Borgensen, founder of Shoebox Ministry. And uh, along with her is a member of her board of directors. What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> this is Becky. <laughs> Becky Gaylor. Becky Gaylor. So, um, uh, you know, I knew that. I just wanted to put her on the spot a little bit here. Make more, get more comfortable. <laughs> but, Judy, this is about you. You're the founder of Shoebox Ministry. And before we get into that, we're going to allow you to take time here and and uh, share your your personal backstory. Tell us uh, uh, tell us to take some time sharing on how you got to this point in your life. Well, I grew up in Minnesota. My dad worked for the railroad, and he always worked second shift. So he he was a yardmaster, and he'd stay in their little roundhouse. But he had a big big heart, and he would feed the homeless. He would hire them for odd jobs. He he was always helping somebody. He probably brought home more cats and dogs than uh, the kids did. (laughs) (laughs) But my mom wasn't into those. She didn't like that too much. But when he came home and it's midnight, she wasn't up watching who or what he was bringing into the house. We had goats. We had chickens. um, We had homeless people. and he would put up his army cot and an army blanket and put this person in the basement to sleep on a sort of a real bed. And then he would do their laundry. How nice is that? All their clothes. And the next day, um, mom would make breakfast for everybody, whoever was there. Yeah. <laughs> People anyway. And then she'd pack a lunch for him, and my dad would take him back down to the trains and let him go. 
So that was my first experience with homeless people. That and um, on my dad's days off, he would go down to the St. Paul Rescue Mission and pick up homeless people. And he'd have them do odd jobs, which he usually created for them so that he could give them a little money. Nice. And so I kind of grew up with that and kind of had the same heart that he did. And when we moved down here to Phoenix, um, we had said we would move down here if either one of us got a job in the area. And as it turned out, he left 3M and went to work for the same company I worked for. So we had this nice double moving package. (laughs) And then uh, we both working for that same company. And then they closed down the division that I was in. But because I had been there for a while, the uh, company found me another position. But that meant somebody had to get laid off. Mm. And so Monday I showed up where my new job was going to be, and this gal just um, was excited about her job. She loved it, and she was so nice to me. And I'm thinking, I'm taking her job, and look at how she's really bending over backwards to help me feel good about it. Well, I didn't feel good. I didn't want to do that kind of work. It wasn't my specialty. It seemed boring. So I kept asking her, do you, do you like this job? Do you like what you're doing? And she said, yes. And I said, you know, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I went over to HR and told them I just couldn't bump this girl from her job, wow. and I quit. And as long as my husband was working, we were okay financially. Little did I know, six months later, he wouldn't be working. Oh. But I told my husband I wanted to start a nonprofit, and I wanted to do something for the homeless. That's where my heart was from my dad. And I had to think about, well, what could I do? You know, it wasn't wild about going down to South Phoenix and wandering among the homeless without some kind of a mission. And then I thought about toiletries because they obviously didn't have them. They didn't have money to buy them. Well, that didn't make them really marketable to get a job the way they looked. So I came up with making a toiletry kit. And I thought I'd use shoe boxes to pack them in. (laughs) And at first I didn't have any shoe boxes. So a nice, sweet old lady at church said, I'll make you drawstring bags out of fabric. So we started with that. But Meanwhile, we're collecting shoeboxes. Judy, you, you mentioned in your bio uh, the information I had uh, on you and the, and the ministry. Uh, you were inspired by an international group that had been doing this. And, and who was that? And, and talk about that inspirational spot that that put you in. Well, Franklin Graham um, has a ministry where they have boxes, but they have them made. They're not actually shoe boxes. We just use old shoe boxes. And they have green and red ones for girl, boy. And they ask the listeners to fill the boxes with whatever they want to put in there for needy children in other countries. 
and I thought it was a great ministry and certainly made some kids happy. My problem was it didn't help my neighbors, these homeless people. So I just had to change it so that it was for homeless men and women. And then we added family boxes or a single parent with kids. So we have those four kind of boxes. Okay. So Franklin Graham has a, a significant nonprofit. Yes. Uh, internationally. So, uh, but that that's a good good teaching uh, moment for you. So, starting a nonprofit is not easy. It can be expensive. It's it can be uh, really difficult. How did you how did you wade through that water? Well, there was a man at church, and I was new to the church, who knew Becky, and he suggested that I find her and meet her and ask her for help which I did, and she knew everything. She doesn't know this, but I call her my owl. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's very wise. You you don't get a message from her that she can't help you because she doesn't know what to do. She knew what to do, and she handled all of that. All I had to do was find people that would give me money (laughs) for the fees and different things we had to do. So, and how long ago was that? That was 1988. Okay. And we delivered our first kits, which were these drawstring bags. We, um, I believe it was October when we made our first delivery. And we took it to United Methodist Outreach Ministry, mm-hmm. UBOM. Yeah. And we would just go to their office, and I had this deep fear of heights. And I had to walk up these open stairs and along a balcony. I was, my back was right to the stucco <laughs> in the building. <laughs> shuffled along and many trips to get that many boxes. That's quite the image. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> we were on a hike one time, and I was doing that along the mountain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Till we came to the cave where the person in front of me said there were pigs, javelina, in there. <laughs> I was real skinny when I got done. <laughs> <laughs> so our first three deliveries were all to them. And I wasn't really satisfied with that because I wanted to see the people that were getting them and, and at least the administration that was getting these. I wanted to emphasize these are to be given out free. Nobody has to pay for one. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that directly with somebody from the mission, you know, they go in another room and another person comes out. So you don't get a chance to really emphasize what they're to do with the boxes. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they had reasons, like they were afraid that these people would trade the items for cigarettes or drugs, alcohol, whatever. Um, but we we really wanted to make sure that it was free and any homeless person could get one. And we put enough ingredients in to last about two months. And where did you get all of the packaging, all, all of the the goods, all of the essentials? Big borrow, steal. <laughs> um, I probably bought most of them in the beginning. 
but we bought full-size products. And you can go to the dollar store and pretty much find everything that's in one of those boxes. Yeah. Uh, some of our donors would go to Costco and buy large quantities and then make up maybe a dozen boxes at a time. So you had two massive uh, challenges. One is starting a nonprofit. One is the idea and following that forward shoe boxes you got to come up with the boxes or the bags at that time you have to come up with the um uh, the items that you're going to fill it with another challenge you worked you had to work through a lot of things it wasn't too difficult I mean, becky did all the administrative stuff becky and god probably right yes you think god was involved in this uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um so Amazing story, and 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 you also had to uh, go about building and managing a nonprofit. That, not an easy task at all. Well, initially, the house we lived in, I had a spare bedroom, so that's where we would assemble is on the bed, and then we and would store probably store the items and. Yeah. At one time, I had forty-two cases of toothpaste in my dining room. <laughs> I was so excited. It was amazing to have that much of... Did you have toothbrushes to go along with it? Yes. <laughs> That's good. We did. <laughs> but I didn't have room to yeah. to do all this. And there was a little space in the garage, but not a whole lot. Yeah. Besides, in the beginning, if I had 15 boxes ready to go, I'd drive downtown. and We, we only did three boxes to you, Mom. At that location, and they eventually moved to a large facility on, I believe it was Camelback Road, and it was an old resort, so they had lots of room, and they were taking in pe- people down there too, families. Mm-hmm. But a family could be one adult and eight kids. You never knew, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm going to take just a moment here to remind our uh, our rescuers audience that may have joined a little late. Uh, and didn't hear uh, the beginning with the uh, introductions. My guest is uh, Judy Borgeson, uh, founder of Shoebox Ministry, and uh, Bicky Gaylor is here with her, uh, a board member, supportive board member, and operative in your nonprofit, huh? She's our only charter board member who's been with us for 33 years. Wow. Uh, you were really young then. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Becky's afraid to say anything. Oh, I will. <laughs> it's called Mike intimidation. So, um, but there's no no intimidation on this show. I'll tell you that. So, um, uh, what what is your so out of your house and your garage? You n- then had the the thing to work work out was distribution and marketing and all of those kinds of things. Yes. How did yes. that all come together for you? Well, Becky and I would promote it at church, and the pastor would give me time to explain what shoebox ministry was. And the church, it's a Methodist church that is great about mission work. And still outreach. are. <laughs> Whoa, that was Becky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first church that got involved and I was promoting it at other churches plus 
anybody that got involved with us was really interested in it and wanting to give. And if they knew that we had an order ready to go, but we had no deodorant, Mm. which happened quite often, we would buy deodorant soap and use that as a replacement rather than not have the boxes go out. So your distribution network was through a church and maybe other churches would follow. And what what about other nonprofits? Were they interested in, in shoebox ministry at all? Some of them were. The largest ones, not so much. But we still asked. You can't get it if you don't ask. A lot (laughs) of individuals would go to their workplace and tell their coworkers what they were doing, and we would recruit volunteers that way, and they would bring it into the person that was involved with us, and they would bring it over to the office. And all the deliveries to the shelters were volunteers with shoebox that would go deliver them. And we did that that way up until we we were delivering like two thousand boxes at a time. Wow! So then we would um, we started asking the shelters, "Don't you have someone that could come and get these? <laughs> After all, they're free." Yeah. So did you have to uh, at some point move out of your house into a an office area or another? Well, we moved houses is oh, what okay. we did, and the. Second house had a second building in the back that was quite large. It had a, a guest house on the second floor. First floor was set up for offices. So that was perfect. We looked for a house that had the facilities we could do shoebox in. Yeah. You know, the, the best point about uh, this ministry is that you, you and Becky here are where the rubber meets the road. I mean, you're out. You're out there individually, uh, working with the homeless population, making sure you, you the, these boxes somehow, some way get get distributed and get into the right hands, and that they're graciously receiving what you're offering. This is this is pretty incredibly awesome. It was simple, really. It wasn't too difficult, and the shelters were so grateful. So grateful to get those. I have to tell you this story. It's from the very beginning, but it impacted me. I mean, my heart feels it. Yeah. Uh, a, a lady from church volunteered to go with me to make a delivery to the county homeless health clinic. Mm-hmm. It's like 12th Avenue in Madison. Uh, it's moved now, but that's where it was at the time. And she had a toddler with her. So we had him in a car seat in the back seat, and she and I were up front talking, and I was telling her experiences from different places. When we got down to the clinic, and they had a long line of people, I'd say 75 or more people leaning up against the building, waiting for them to open, and then one at a time they go in and see the medical Mm -hmm. help. And... The people in line, I suppose most of them weren't the same ones that were there the last time I made a delivery (laughs) there, but they offered a help, and when they saw the shoe boxes, they thought we were bringing shoes, 
and they, <laughs> they tried to convince me I should let them have the boxes because once they went inside, they didn't know where they'd go. They didn't know if they'd get a pair, and so... And a lot of them were Hispanic, and I don't speak Spanish, and they didn't speak English. So I had to open the box and show them what was in there. And they actually got more excited by the toiletries than when they thought they were shoes. But I still wouldn't give them to them. I wanted the staff to monitor the distribution. But they carried them from our car over to the uh, door that went into the clinic, and uh, a social worker there would come out and kind of supervise where they should be carried. And these people just came forward and wanted to help. Well, after being there the first couple of times, they would point to their feet to show me that their shoes were falling apart. Uh-huh. And that made me realize most of them didn't have socks on. And I thought, ooh, you know, it's hot here in the summer, but... uh winter it's cold and sometimes they slept just with the clothes they had on they didn't have a bedroll or anything else to use Mm -hmm. and right behind this building is a cemetery and some of them had little pup tents others had just like a blanket to wrap around them Every time I went there, I would see that, and I thought, wow, they're just a step away from that. And I think about my brothers and other males. It, it could have been one of them, somebody I knew, mm-hmm. laying in that graveyard with nothing. Mm. And we did get items, jackets and blankets and different things that would be donated. We took anything we thought the homeless could use. Yeah. but. We would distribute those things. We wouldn't get the clinic to do those or whatever shelter we were at. So we had started to put clean, used socks in the boxes. But some people just thought that was disgusting to give them used. So they would buy us new. So... When this lady was with me and we were going down there with the boxes, we had uh, 16 pairs of new socks. (laughs) So I had gift wrapped those for Christmas because we were getting close to Christmas. And then we had a woman's kind of like a stocking cap with a matching long scarf to go around their neck. And we kept pushing those to the women articles to the side and handing out these socks, gift-wrapped socks. And the homeless were so orderly. They didn't push and shove to get to the front to make sure they were going to get a pair of socks. And we just handed those out. And when we got to the very last items, the socks and the scarf, I thought, what am I going to do? These are for a a woman. And... I had him in my hand, and I turned around from the car, and there was a woman right in line with the men, just one woman. Mm. So I gave her both items. This always makes me cry. (laughs) It was just so moving to have this woman show up right exactly when I needed a woman to be there. And so we gave them to her, and then we loaded her child in the car seat and got ready to leave. And we looked over, they're all back in line, and the lady that 
got the hat and the scarf. She had them on, and she was doing giving me the peace sign. <laughs> That was it. We we're yeah. both crying. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we don't have much time left in the program, but this is so amazing. And um, any guess on the thousands of pairs of socks that you deliver now? Oh, heavens. We were doing 50 Because you do thousand. sock drives everywhere, right? Well, we do yeah. them with the schools and yeah. the churches. And... Exactly. So I have a number here that I, that I gathered from your information. I don't know if it's accurate, but 2,500 people are unsheltered in Arizona and living in the streets. Lots of reasons why they're there. And um, and you're out there serving shoeboxes full of, of, of necessity items and socks and jackets and whatever else you can get your hands on, right? So I'm going to tell you, uh, I need to know this from our, our audience. Uh, if they want to reach... Uh, if they want to reach Shoebox Ministry, how can they do that? You have a website, and that address is what? Oh, we just changed it. <laughs> oh, well, how about they just call the office that's on Thirty Second Street? Would that work? Well, they could be anywhere. Right. I mean, they could be from out of state right now because oh, yeah. we have a very large audience. So Shoebox.org, but I'm not sure. Shoebox.org, and what's the phone Shoebox number? Shoeboxministry.org. Okay, yeah. and what's the phone number? Four eight zero. Nine zero five one six one zero. Okay. The address of our office is one three six four five North Thirty Second Street. Basically, it's Thirty Second and Thunderbird in Phoenix. Yes. Judy, uh, you know, the Rescuers Radio Show has a very simple mission, and it's to attract people and show people off to people that don't. That you think is go, they don't know what's exactly exactly is going on, and that's changing and saving lives. You are a rescuer. <laughs> Thank you, Judy and Becky, for being here this morning. God bless. Thank you. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.